Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to this new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and on this episode, I'm chatting with Melanie Jones, production designer on the wonderful Bill and Ted Face the Music. In the third installment of the film series, a visitor from the future tells best friends Bill and Ted that only their song can save all life on Earth as we know it and bring harmony to the universe. The only problem is the boys have yet to write it and they aren't getting any younger, so they set out on their next adventure to find the song and save the world. It's a wonderful film. It is in cinemas now, although I know that's quite difficult to get to at the moment. Uh, it is out on video on demand in America. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later over here, either on DVD, Blu-ray or VOD, but we don't know at the moment. But it is in cinemas in the UK now if you want to venture out and try and uh, find somewhere. Melanie Jones is an award-winning LA-based production designer with a diverse body of work which includes commercials, television, feature films, print and stage design. Her previous work includes things such as the horror film The Curse of Lila Rona, Motley Crue's biopic The Dirt, ABC comedy Bless This Mess and the Oscar-winning movie Whiplash. Melanie, who we previously have interviewed actually for The Dirt, talks us through her work on Bill and Ted Face the Music which includes things such as designing Hell and Death's New Home, creating the future and building an entire section of LA freeway in a New Orleans parking lot. If you want to hear more behind the scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast by searching for Geek Town Radio. This will also give you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, film and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for your daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Here's the interview with Melanie. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Well, Melanie, it's lovely to have you back on, particularly to chat about this film, because I watched it a few days ago. It's hilarious and very much in the vein of the original movie. It must have been great fun to work on. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And, you know, a lot of care was taken to try and make a connect to the earlier versions, but with a kind of evolution to it. You know, we had a lot of dialogue about that. I mean, that was inherent in the script. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, it's on the page and you obviously have to bring it to light. So you have to to be careful about how you do that. But definitely want, we wanted, you know, they're in a different place now. They're much older. Yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of times passed. So that also gave us some wiggle room because, you know, we, we didn't have to be literally tied like visually or, or even in terms of kind of like the pace and the um, flair of it in a way, you know, at least initially it's a more mature kind of style in, in essence and, and pacing, you know, they're, they're older. So we wanted to accommodate that, but Alex and Keanu are really in touch with those characters and very clear about how they felt. So yeah, it was fun. It was just great, great fun, hard work, but fun. Yeah. I can imagine it was a lot of hard work, but immense amounts of fun, I'm sure. How'd you get involved with it? Um, so Alex, I had, um, production designed, uh, the Smosh movie for Alex about right. five or six years ago. Yeah. And so when this came back up, he actually suggested to Dean and the producers, you should interview Melanie Jones. So my agent called me. I didn't know. He, Alex didn't tell me that either. Like <laughs> I, I hadn't talked to him in a bit. And um, I was working on a TV show and my agent called me and said, hey, they want to interview you for Bill and Ted. And, you know, I kind of freaked out. I was like, yes. oh my God. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, and, and it was Alex's fault. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's great though. Was it all shot in New Orleans? Yeah. The only thing that wasn't shot in New Orleans and it was shot later was the Kid Cudi concert because they actually wanted to, he right. had some show or something that he was doing and they wanted to get him at that. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, everything um, else in which is, Yeah, which is interesting for you because if I remember correctly, you shot The Dirt, the Motley Crue biopic there as well. Yep. So I guess it's a place you know pretty well at this point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff shoots down there. It has a, a good film community and a lot of support for filming. I love my New Orleans crew I use the same crew mm -hmm. and they're wonderful I mean just really great people and hardworking and talented so um, but New Orleans you know obviously I wasn't part of that decision having shot there before may have helped me get the job because right. I, I knew the city and understood how it works there the um, producers chose it because I think they felt like and rightly so that it was good architecturally yeah it was a place to use you know you could do Vienna there pretty easily and you know some of the other things so yeah yeah i mean you turned it into la for the motley crew movie so you know yeah. in terms yeah. of this film <laughs> some of the sets you had to produce i mean just a ridiculous amount things like the future that ending la freeway scene uh, but i think hell's probably the best place to start oh yeah that was probably my favorite part of the movie in terms of the design as designing the geology of it um the hell rocks right uh, yeah. 
I was pretty in love with those. Uh, I didn't, you know, because they've been to hell in the other movies. I felt like, like everything that we did in the film, we wanted it to evolve a little bit. So the hell from, I think it was the second film was pretty gray. And I'm like, let's go, let's go more rock and roll. Let's go black yeah, and uh, make it a little bit more menacing in a certain sense, because, you know, because of the story, their daughters are down there and they, they kill themselves or whatever yeah. to get down there. So I wanted it to feel a little bit more menacing or, or threatening, you know, but it's still a comedy. So the shape of the rock, I looked at a lot of different research, looked at lava rock and, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And so we pushed it a little bit just in terms of the shape of it to make it fit the vibe. Right. So that was fun. I loved it. That was my favorite part. And then Death's House, the mid-century modern was actually my idea. And I came <laughs> when I got the interview, I came to the interview with that concept. I said, I, I really feel like he's having a midlife crisis <laughs> or a mid-death crisis. Yeah. You know, he would probably have moved on from kind of the Gothic mansion thing, castle thing in hell and, and into something that felt a little bit more rock and roll. And, you know, cause that's what he's, that's yeah. what he's lamenting, you know, the loss of this part of his life. And it's kind of a memory lane in, in essence, you know, up on his wall. So it was all those bits and pieces. And I, I, I thought it would be funny, you know, oh, yeah. he's yeah. trying to be too cool. He's trying to mimic sort of the house on the hill with the Vista. There's this house in Los Angeles. It's a mid-century modern. It's called the Stall House. And it gets shot quite frequently. And, you know, it's on the hill and it, you can see all of Los Angeles kind of built into the hill. And, you know, that was the concept of that. He's like trying to be too cool with the koi pond. But then I'm like, well, he wouldn't have a koi pond in hell. So it'd have to be filled with lava, and, you know, <laughs> and it's just goofy and fun. What an amazing thing to be able to play with. I love that set as well, because all the little knickknacks and things like the wild stallions jacket on the wall and, you know, him lamenting his past and all that is just really great. One of the other sets that has a lot of those little kind of knickknacky things in it is the garage set, which is something that is quite iconic from the first movies. Did you go back and look at the original garage and sort of build from that or did you start from scratch? Well, I mean, not we didn't use bits and pieces literally, but we did use the concept of it. But again, showing the evolution because, you know, it's their jam space and I'm sure it probably remained their jam space for, you know, a couple of years and then kids take over and the family takes over and, um, you know, the girls are really interested in music. So we wanted to show that kind of evolution where it had bits and pieces of stuff that would have been just wild stallions, you know, some of their equipment and things like that. But it's become much more, yeah, you know, their yeah. space has been invaded in essence, but in a good way, you know, in a family way. And then and then also the addition of a pretty good collection of vinyl, yes. uh, which probably began with Bill and Ted. And then the girls have, I'm sure, added to it in a way. So, yeah, the girls are fabulous in this as well. One of the other big sets that you did for the film was the freeway sequence. And obviously that's not a real LA freeway because that would be very difficult to do. So uh, how did you go about recreating that? Where was that done? I went out to New Orleans early and scouted the actual freeway options mm -hmm. and adjacent freeway options and other, you know, like roads with overpasses and stuff. And I think we had about three or four different places. And, um, 
everybody came out and we went scouting and they all had problems. A lot of it was sound. Right. Um, that freeway scene was five days of shooting, I think, at least. So shutting down a public road yeah. is problematic and controlling it. And our soundstage used to be an old Lowe's, which is a big box hardware store yeah. in the lower ninth ward. So Katrina, I think it was not anything after Katrina, right? right. You know, that, that area was under about 20 feet of water. Right. Um, yeah. It's now a soundstage and, you know, a Lowe's or Home Depot or those kind of big box stores in the United States are massive. Mm which means that the parking lot is equally massive, sometimes many times more massive. And um, we had been scouting the stage and I was standing in that parking lot and I was looking around and I'm, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, Mel, I know what you're going to do to yourself. You're going to suggest that they build, that we build this freeway in this parking lot. And that's what I did. (laughs) I mean, it's brilliantly done because you really wouldn't know that is a real freeway. I mean, I know you can get CGI extensions and stuff but what did you actually physically build there um i can actually send you pictures if you want oh yeah um, that'd be great so that you can see it but it you know when you're looking at the overpass that has the 210 freeway sign pasadena we built that and you know all the all the lanes yeah um, and a lot of the legs that then become the cg kind of you know high overpasses that so we built up about i think we were 20 feet high that overpass was 20 feet high and it was about three 300 feet long and then the five lanes and painting the lanes and the whole side there's like a little junkyard over there and a chain link fence and the k rail in the middle so it was all that but i will send you pictures when you're looking at the movie it's probably about the bottom third of the frame right and the idea was we don't want to have endless cg backgrounds that we have to drop in Mm. so they climb up on top of the truck and they're looking around and that's a lot of that CG, but the cars on the road for, you know, the immediate area are real. I think we had about a hundred vehicles just, and then anytime they're on the ground and there's like, you know, a two shot or, you know, that kind of, that's all what we built. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Make work for yourself, but (laughs) I mean, it was the best thing to do really. Ah. We, We could control it. It was right by our soundstage. And the thing is, is that we shot it in late August in New Orleans, which is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. we were all going, uh, what are we doing? This is just the dumbest thing ever. But this <laughs> is hot. It's super hot and it's super humid and it's super uncomfortable. And I mean, that was the whole movie. It's just really, and poor Alex and Keanu, and they were in makeup and a lot of it, like in the jail scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all not that, just makeup. Oh, they're just, in full body suits at that point. Yeah, and you're was, already hot. I mean, that must have been unbearable. I mean, those guys are, they're hardcore troopers. Yeah. They just are super dedicated to it and really great about it. But yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Although for Keanu, it's got to be a slight little bit of revenge for Alex putting him in that dog suit in Freaked. That's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of those big scenes, you've also got the girls traveling around time to pick up various people. There's a whole list of these sets, but we'll go through some of them. China was one you had to create. I mean, I know they're smaller sets, but you still had to create China somewhere. Yeah. So the idea with that was she was in a garden. So I built that garden wall. I designed and had that wall built. 
And, um, that seems not that long. So in the schedule, it fell on the same day that, uh, the girls find Louie in the jazz club. Right. Yeah. And the jazz club is preservation hall. I didn't do anything to that. That's just, really? that's there in, in New Orleans. I think it's the longest running jazz club there. Oh yeah. How do you think about being in New Orleans for that particular scene, I guess? Yeah. I mean, that was one of them. And like I said, the Vienna, there's a lot that New Orleans was very useful for in terms of that. So we shot at the jazz club in the morning and I, I built that wall and I put that wall in a park down the street. <laughs> we brought in a bunch of plants and we sort of blocked off the view of people, you know, having picnics and playing right. back what they were doing in this public park. I mean, we only had a little section of it. So, you know, it's just, you know, cheating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yes, as is most filmmaking, I guess. And Vienna you did as well. Really, that was a building we just really near the warehouse district, that building, the the outside of it. I didn't have to do very much to that. I mean, it just was close enough architecturally. A couple little things that weren't quite right. But, you know, that one was actually pretty simple for me. And again, that's where it, New Orleans was really great. But, you know, there's other things that we did on stage. George Washington in the boat crossing the river. We built a little pond. We found the boat. We aged the boat. Yeah. Uh, we made, um, there's a bunch of snow and ice in the water and we made those and then, you know, and then they layered it in green screen in front of green screen. But, you know, so bit pieces of the Last Supper yeah. before the table, all the props and stuff like that in the background CG. You know, it's just so, so is all this. Uh, oh, also um, Babe Ruth. Right. Shot that out on a field, but I, I built a pony wall that looked like something that was actually in the original stadium and then you know they lay in the stadium in the background so you know it's just figuring that out and Siberia we made the uh, tent thing that was there <laughs> that we find her drum kit her beautiful drum kit my prop master made that it was incredible oh yeah the props were superb yeah it's great the other big thing of course was the future which you created I mean obviously a lot of that was CGI but I'm guessing you created some physical stuff for there as well yeah so from the beginning Dean wanted the future to be Caltrava based on the architecture. Um, so we got permission to actually use that. And um, for most of the stuff upstairs, like that, I built a, a big floor surface and there's some bits and pieces that Bill and Ted had to interplay with very directly, peeking around a corner and things right. like that, that I had to make. But for the future, for me, it was really what was downstairs where we meet Dennis McCoy, the right. robot. Yes. That room I had to build. And that was actually an interesting one. That went through a couple of iterations because, you know, when you're designing the future, you can go way down a rabbit hole of what does it look like? What's the technology? What is future technology? Would they have technology? Why wouldn't they be telepathic? Like, or yeah. does it come around? Or do you go to something like Art Deco? You know, it's like there's all this stuff that you kind of juggle around in your head. And the only requirement Dean really had was that it was dark so that you would get a definite contrast with the hologram and really see that against a darker background. So like I said, I did a couple of iterations of it and I just kept simplifying. And basically what that represents is it's almost, you know, it's subterranean. 
dark underbelly of the supposedly more advanced mm. culture now. You know, when we're outside upstairs, there's a lot of water. So something's happened to San Dimas because San Dimas is a desert. Right, yeah. So I figure, you know, maybe this is subterranean. I put a lot of piping in it. Maybe it's like a hydro facility. Makes That's sense. how they get power. You know, maybe it's part hydro, part solar. Um, there's some electrical kind of distant electrical panels glowing in the background. A little abstract, very simple, very clean. Um, and I actually am really happy with that set because it was hard to do it. Mm. It was hard to get to it. You know, when you do a movie, you know, like, like I said, I went to the interview and I'm like, oh, death should have a mid-century house. Isn't that funny and cool? Yeah, right. Great. Good idea. But, you know, here's this what in a way what you might think is a throwaway set. It's only only seconds in the film. Mm. But um, it became a lot of work and significant for me in terms of the process of getting to it and what it should look like and how it should feel. I mean, we all knew that the concept was it's the other side of these people that show themselves as being quite advanced. But, you know, she's got this robot who's going to murder Bill and Ted. I mean, that's not quite (laughs) right. It's not very lovely. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the robot... That was a wonderful costume and character. Uh, Did you have any involvement in that or was that all costume and props? That was all costume. And um, I don't remember how much props dealt with that. The gun, his arm gun may have ended up being just costume. But yeah, I mean, that he was incredible. That costume. I mean, again, and there he is, poor guy in that. I I just I was super sick. I don't I don't do well with heat. Yes, I live in L.A., but, you know, (laughs) it's just like, oh, my God, everybody's suffering and sweating and dying on the show. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. Um, yeah. But he was great. And, and it, yeah, it just, you know. Uh, uh, the costume design came early and was influential for me in terms of that set that I was just speaking of, the hologram room. It's like I, I wanted to make it feel connected to that. Right, yeah, that makes sense. In terms of some of the other scenes, there was the wedding sequence, which was uh, basically a big marquee. But I guess it means you got to dress a wedding, which must have been quite good fun. Yeah, I can I can uh, really only um, I give that one to Selena, my set decorator, who right. is wonderful and really talented and decided on the kind of peachiness of it, which I think we all thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, peach is one of those colors. Here's production design and set decorator geekdom. Peach. Oh, well, peach is a color that is is dangerous. It can be obnoxious. It can be hysterical. It can be sickening. Um, it can be all sorts of things. And some people really avoid it like the plague. You know, peach is still really, you think of the 1980s when you see the color yeah. peach, of course, right? Um, so uh, I, th- I thought it was a really good choice and she did a really great job with it, you know? Yeah, she did a great job with it. And one of the other places that comes to mind is the Dave Grohl Mansion, which I'm guessing is a place you found somewhere in New Orleans. That's New Orleans. I actually had scouted that house for Nikki Six's mansion in the dirt. Right. And we didn't use it. It wasn't quite right, but very memorable. And as soon as I read the script and I knew that it was going to be in New Orleans, I thought that's the house. So I just said to Lisa, our location scout, let's go see if we can shoot in that house, if it's still available. And she worked it out with them. And um, it, it's because it's hysterical. I mean, it's so Southern California, first off. 
architecturally. You don't find a tile roof in New Orleans too often. Right. That is one thing that's different. It has that. I mean, it just, it, it's been in other movies. I think it was in the movie, God, this is kind of funny, Keanu, which was um, <laughs> Jordan Peele and um, his partner. I can't remember his name now. I'm so sorry. It's so rude. <laughs> anyway, they did, it's a comedy. It's a very funny movie about a cat named Keanu and <laughs> gang and stuff. And, and they shot there for that. But um, there's nothing we really had to do. Again, Selena came, dressed it, so it felt a little bit more rock and roll. And we had all the gold albums and all that kind of stuff. But the place is perfect. Like that huge backyard with the pool and the law. I mean, that's half a mile. (laughs) I'm exaggerating, but you know, it was a, it's a great location. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It could have been Dave Grohl's mansion easily. So uh, are there any other bits of pieces or sets and stuff that you want to talk about from the film? Well, let me think about it. We talked about the beginning. Oh, you know, her egg pod. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I wasn't sure whether that would be you or whether that would be a props thing. That was me. You know, I got to New Orleans and we got all the big bits and pieces going and everything going. And then I'm thinking about this thing. And, you know, frankly, because we had to add the freeway building it, that that was a really huge lift for construction. That was a lot of work. So I felt like I needed to try and find something that we could modify, but not build from scratch. And it's complicated. I mean, and it's complicated. It was important. So I just spent a weekend. I got up early Saturday morning with my coffee and I got on the internet and I'm like trying to find something and went down this really long rabbit hole. When did I start? I think it was like telephone isolation booths, which are popular now in offices, right? So that you can go make a private call. Right. Yeah. Um, Showers, some (laughs) really incredible weird spaceship showers that you could order. And they have got all these like cool buttons and light up stuff and very modern. And so I pulled a bunch of those and then it led me to meditation pods. Ah. And I found this one. It's basically exactly what it really is. The only thing that we changed about it, I mean, it has the beautiful lighting set up on the inside. You can change the color of the light and it's ribbed and it's fantastic. Was was felt. It was made from felt. So it was like felt, really thick felt fabric and ribbing. And we took the felt off and we put it on a, a plastic, flexible kind of plastic and painted it. It's actually a very, 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 very light gray. It's not white, but right. that's not so, so it would shoot like that. And then, um, you know, put it on this little kind of ugly base, which they, we knew that it was going to be taken out. Yeah. Taken out. And it worked really good. Yeah. So it's a meditation pod. I kind of envisaged the cast and crew, like when they wanted to get away for a little bit, going and hiding in there, maybe. Yeah. I always referred to it as the stupid pod. <laughs> it was very clunky. You know, it just wasn't in real life. It was like Dean and I would joke about it. It's like an actor or an actress who is super photogenic, but not so great in real life, (laughs) which is a real thing. And so that was, that was what the pod was, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. So I really loved the film. I thought it was fantastic and just really had the feel of the old movies as well. Just amazing job on it. 
Have you got any other projects lined up yet you can talk about? I know it's uh, no, nothing. Nothing is locked. I'm, I'm looking at a couple of options right now: um, a film, potentially maybe a TV show. I just got done doing a commercial that Alex Winter directed, nice, which was super fun. And like I said, that's the only little thing. You know, it's work has been funny here. Yeah. It's really taken time for the industry to pick back up, and um, obviously for everybody to. Figure figure out the protocols of, and safety, you know, yeah. and protecting the actors and the talent. Uh, so yeah. uh, that's things are starting to pick up now. Yeah, it seems a few things have started to manage to get back into production now. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of that. Right. So on to the last two questions. They're the same questions I asked you last time because they're always the same at the end of the interview. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I'm watching Lovecraft Country. Yes. Yeah, Ugh, I love it so much. I just saw episode four um, the night before last. I didn't see it on the night that it came out and I was stunned and blown away. It was so disturbing and so wonderful at the same time. I think it's a great show. It's extremely timely with, with all the conversations that we're having in the United States around race. Yeah, it was great. And I actually, I was, uh, I didn't know, I know the woman who, Cheryl Dune, who directed uh, directed that episode and I'm so excited for her and so proud you know it just just great so I'm watching that um I also watched something recently which was made several years ago on Hulu which was 112263 which is a oh yeah that's another yeah. time travely thing isn't it yeah that was uh, great. I really loved it. I wish that there were more. It's interesting because both of those are J.J. Um, Abrams, I believe. I think um, so, yes. Which I wasn't looking for that specifically. Um, is there anything else? Yeah, that's mainly it. I mean, hmm. I kind of get into one TV series and that's my TV series. I am a geek. I watch a lot of History Channel and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And and I've been really preoccupied with the news, the written press. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a lot of reading and things like that so yeah yeah and last question if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show can be something from the past something present or some sort of future genre not one you've worked on what would it be oh it would be star trek the original star trek i would go back to the 60s and work on that show without a doubt oh yeah that's a great choice i'm very interested to know what they're going to be doing with strange new worlds because of where that's set so the production design on that is going to be edging it more towards the original 60s series so that's going to be fascinating to see how they handle that yeah i would love it and that show not so much i mean yeah it has a it has a big influence on aesthetic for me in a certain way but not broadly like it was really specifically of the time period and what they could do and i think really well done but it had a big influence on me just in general like just all of it the kind of um ethics of it and all of that It, it was I, I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I would get home from school and had a very, very long driveway that I had to walk up because we lived on top of a hill. A long, horrible walk up the hill. <laughs> and um, I would just book it. <laughs> get up there, 
Star Trek. People yeah. serious and watch Star Trek. Ah, yes, back in the days before you could record anything. <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, in the 70s. Yeah, I remember the days before recording devices too. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely to have you back on. I always enjoy talking to you. It's great talking to you too. Thank you so much. No problem at all. And uh, hopefully we get to talk again when your next project comes out. Yeah, take care of yourself. And you, have a great day. Cheers. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.